And we're live, and I'm back. Ali's hey. back. We're here with Dominique today. With exams. Yes, congrats to Ali's doctor, man. All right, episode number 24. 24. 24. Wow. And we're joined by the lovely Dominique. How are you Dominique. doing, Dominique? Yes. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. You're more than welcome to be on. So uh, introduce us to yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, what you do, where you're from, how you know that Ali. I'm guessing you're this side of my screen. I'm up here. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Fine, wherever. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So yeah, my name is Dominique and I grew up in the United States, specifically in Indiana. If you know anything about Indiana, it's a small rural area. So yeah, so all the stereotypes, I don't think I sound Southern. Some people may catch an accent, but I typically, I don't know. It's hard to tell with your own voice, right? But um, grew up there. (laughs) Yeah, I grew up there. with my family, I have three younger sisters, uh, so we have a blast if we are not killing each other. Um, and the way I met Ali was in graduate school. So I was studying linguistics uh, for a master's program at Boston University, and I was also a resident assistant um, for Upper Comp Ave. Woo woo, you see Shout out, yes. Mm-hmm. And Ali was in the building right next door to me. Literally, we were like twin buildings. Um, so it was really fun, Studio One, Studio Two. And and I was interested in studying Arabic at the time too. So when I met Ali and he said he was from Lebanon, that got me really excited because I'd never been to Lebanon, uh, never been to the Middle East. And so we kind of struck up, I think, a friendship from there. And uh, also I really love movies. So the fact that he uh, is into filming and stuff is really cool too. Thank you. Um, yeah. This is what I mean, you are opposites. <laughs> I don't love movies. I hate them. I can't <laughs> really? watch them. Why yeah, not? Because my friend, he knows who he is. Uh, he is my, I call him my roommate, but not so really a roommate. Because I'm always at his place or he's always at my place. He swore to God he would never watch another movie with me. Because every time me and him sit down and watch a movie, I'm just always on my phone. Oh, yeah? Uh, hey, how about you put yeah. your phone down and watch the movie? <laughs> just watch it. Dude, People spend hours and hours and years and years it's, it's for you to be on your phone. <laughs> I can guess what's happening. I'm watching good gonna movies. Happen. Watch good movies and then you can yeah, good on movies. your phone when you're watching. Name a good movie, Heidi. Name a good movie. <laughs> um, I can name Go ahead. dozens of film movies. All right. This out. Two Cats doesn't count. Cause that is a good movie. movie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, wait, why doesn't it count? Uh, how about how about uh, this? Because I only made that movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> Parasite came out last year. Knives Out. Shit. That's another guessed one. Everything that would happen. Next. You saw Parasite, and you guessed everything that would happen. No, okay, it. so don't talk I was gonna no, say, no, no way. I did not. Great movie. <laughs> Knives Out, a great thriller. How about that? Um, what else? Uh, freaking God Avengers. Like, if you like superhero movies, that's one of the greatest superhero movies. Bro, I, Avengers is a good movie, but it's because they spent so much money on that. They spent so much money. Okay, you can. The only spend- good thing about it was Thor being the funny person that he was, and like all the comedic scenes. Otherwise, I promise you, boo boo, I guessed everything. What about <laughs> any Christopher problem. Nolan movie? Mm. Like uh, Inception. Ooh. Inception. Inception, Interstellar. Um, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Okay, Memento. Dunkirk. Memento. I guessed everything in Dunkirk, but that was because I 
read a lot of history. So. I was gonna say that one was like more <laughs> historical. <laughs> that's right. So yeah. you know, but yeah, he's that's coming why out that's with a new movie that. too. He's coming out with a movie in July. I'm so excited. Tenet. Yeah, Tenet. Tenet. Yeah. What is it about? Oh gosh, actually, I, just, Ali, I don't yeah. know. It's, I know it's a Christopher Nolan movie. I don't know if you heard about this, but they, <laughs> they revealed it on Fortnite. That's how they revealed the movie. I don't know if you know. So Where Fortnite, fucking go? Fortnite. Fortnite, the video game, right? The, I've the, heard of it, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so basically, the, what's cool about Fortnite is that they have this bunch of like cross-platform events where they have like different artists come in. Like Travis Scott was in Fortnite doing a live concert. And you'd be in-game and you'd see this guy doing a concert, right? Or Marshmallow came in. And then one day, Christopher Nolan, he screened the trailer wow. for his new movie, Tenet. On Fortnite, that's where he like did it first. Imagine first that. premiered it. First oh. premiered it on a freaking video game. <laughs> that's so cool and weird, and I'm kind of jealous because like I would never know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Tiago, can you can you can you later save all the files where Ellie talks about Fortnite and then discuss the Fortnite, please? Yeah. We're gonna make a compilation because this is just like okay. Here's a little backstory to me and Ellie's friendship. Mm -hmm. mm. Ellie loves Fortnite. Mm -hmm. I hate Fortnite. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. That game is dead. It's done. It had its blast, it had its era, and it's gone. Mm -hmm. There's not an episode. No, there are a few episodes. I'll be, I'll be fair with it, you today, Ali. But there is not an, like, most of the episodes, he goes on and on about Fortnite and how they had Travis Scott do a concert in Fortnite. Dude, that's huge. That is that's huge. This stupid. That's huge. that's huge, dude. I mean, think about it like this. Wow. Ali, you're in, you're in Jordan, right? You're in Amman, right? Mm -hmm. Very good, let's say. Like a town far away from all, like, culture or whatever. Right, and you have, you're not gonna. Okay, sorry, I said that. But like Travis. No, Scott, it doesn't offend me. I want my head. I want Travis, my damn head. All right, how about this? Right, how are you gonna watch a Travis Scott concert? Mm. Unless you're YouTube. like YouTube.com/slash/search okay, Travis Scott. That yeah. or be in a video game where you can see him in person, right? Or like in the mm -hmm. future, wear a headset where you can actually be in the concert with Travis Scott performing. I'm not like too crazy about the technology right now. I'm just that them doing this. Cool gives access to people all over the globe to something like to watch like That's a cool. trailer or something. You know what I mean? So that is what was it is. Was it for free or was it a paid event? It's free. It's free. All free. Where, cool. if, you're in, if, you're in, if you're in Lebanon, for example, right? Mm. Whatever. How, you're not going to be able to see a Travis Scott concert or a Marshmallow concert. Yeah. I mean, even YouTube. <laughs> we don't even have that great, you know, internet or whatever, right? I mean, I, so it's like, I, like Fortnite gives people access, which is what I love about it. And that's what I love about all okay. this technology coming up. It's giving people access to things. You know what yeah. else gives people access? You're muted. Oh, he's still muted. <laughs> You're muted. Oh. You're still he's, muted. I'm back. Yeah, so what, give, what gives people access, Ali? Yeah, tell me. The goddamn internet. Yeah. <laughs> Did you think about that? No, that's, Did you I think mean, about that for a no, second. No, definitely. And that's, that's lovely and that's great. And that's just, I mean, part of the internet is this whole mm. um, technology. I mean, the, the, yeah. the reason we're able to talk like this today, right now, is just because right. we have Zoom and we can chat like this. It's pretty cool. That's, yeah. that's true. Know. Anyways, back to our guest. Enough of our like, <laughs> marital issues. <laughs> uh, <Yes>. Language. <laughs> So, Dominic. you said you, uh, you studied language, right? You wanted to learn Arabic. So, what was your interest in that language, uh, linguistics language? Yes. Like, where did it come from? Or Yeah, like, why? Yeah, what, what, what made you want to learn this beautiful language of ours? 
Yeah. So it's true. There's, there's a lot of components, but, um, I, it wasn't really until I moved to Boston that I actually met Arab people, um, you know, growing up in a rural part of the United States and then doing my undergrad sort of in a more in Virginia, um, like it was more diverse there, but still had not met Arabs. So I was focusing on Spanish for a while, but I, I knew, so my background is that I'm a Christian. And so this is tied to the language because as a Christian, um, you know, I think a lot about uh, other worldviews, other religious worldviews. And so mm-hmm. like the two other religions that I'm like the most interested in is Judaism and Islam because of the historical, mm-hmm. you know, connection and, and some overlap across them all. So there's a mixture of things. So when I moved to Boston, meeting Arabs, first of all, when you're learning a second or foreign language, I think your friends really influence that. And so having friendship with Ali and having friends with another, a few other RAs who were also Arab, um, especially Lebanese. There's a bunch of Lebanese in Boston. I've never figured out out why that is. Maybe Ali would be able to tell us. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, and it so happened one of my coworkers in Res Life was like our secretary. She was uh, raised most of her life in Lebanon. So I think just wanting to connect with people, wanting to know their, you know, their stories. And, and also the fact that there is such richness um, in the culture with religion and art. And I mean, I'm pretty sure Arabs came up with the mathematical system that we use today. <laughs> like there's, true. Just, that's a there's fact. just, there's just so much that's been contributed to our culture and society that we don't even realize. So I think when I had been studying Spanish, there's a lot to Spanish as well, but I think also the, I can't think of the right word, but like, cause complexity for sure, there's complexity in Arabic, but you know, when you're learning a, like an Indo-European language such as English and you go to like German, there's a lot more similarities <laughs> between the two. Yeah. Especially because you, they all root from the same mother language, which is Latin. Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And there's like so many ties, but then when you start to study language outside of that family, there's obviously more differences. And so I've always Mm -hmm. been someone who loves a challenge. And since I had friends that were speaking Arabic, I was like, well, it's challenging. It's interesting. Like I, the religion is a super interesting aspect of the language itself. You know, like even your phrases, like Alhamdulillah, like mm-hmm. how many times do people say that? And yeah. I, like I believe times a, day. a million, and I would say it, yeah. I came back to the States, you know, this year after the virus happened. And I was like catching myself saying it a lot. Cause you just, you get used <laughs> to it. So I will, and I, by the way, I love those phrases, mm-hmm. uh, but anyways, but yeah, so I think it was just a, com- like a mixture of that, like friends and just like a personal interest. Yeah. No, but no, all right. But how do you feel? So, sorry. Yeah. So how do you feel like, ahead, learning, how do you feel like that learning Arabic helps you understand the religion more than like reading like a translated version of any like religious text? Like, how do, how do you feel brings mm-hmm. you closer to that? I don't know. I don't know. I think just, I think it, because, okay, so underneath my desire to learn language is my desire just to understand people. Mm-hmm. And I think language shapes so much of how we think about the world and even just how we, like, even emote. Like, there's this research out there that shows, like, if you have words for um, an emotion you're able to emote better, you know, like there are some languages 
this could be, of course. Uh, can you yeah, can you give us an example? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like a tangible. I I unfortunately don't remember the Russian word, mm-hmm. but in my master's work, I did a I read a paper on, I think it was a Russian word that had no English equivalent. I mean, there's probably a bunch of Arabic words, right, that don't have an English equivalent. You say uh-huh, it, you and you're just like, you. there's nothing, there's nothing that can equal this. So I'm trying to think if maybe you guys can even think of a word, but. But anyways, there's a word in Russian that meant a little bit of about sadness, frustration, mm. and anger. But when the bilingual, like the, the Russian-English bilingual, was trying to share a story about his personal life, um, they did a set of like brain scans. And they noticed when the person would share his story in his native language in Russian, there was more going on in his brain. Like there was just like more activation. The and Arabic, then when... That- the Arabic word for that uh, feeling you described, where it's anger and frustration, is inerfiz, uh, which is inerfiz. basically that inerfiz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the it's more like you know. think about when you put someone in a second language and they have to describe how they feel, or even just like, especially I think about international students at a university when they're experiencing so much newness, right? And like they're using English all the time because that's the dominant language. But then like, obviously I don't know this feeling, so I don't want to speak for anyone, but I imagine just from being a teacher, right? I've taught. So for people who don't know, I've taught English to second language learners for over five years. And one of the things I notice a lot is that when you're learning a language, it's very frustrating. It's very hard. And sometimes <clears throat> it's helpful for students to, to just take a moment to pause to, to figure out like what's going, like what is going on emotionally or mentally. And so I think when you just don't have words for it in a language, it makes it even that much more frustrating. So it's just, it's very Mm -hmm. fascinating. So I think back to the question of like, how do I think, you know, learning the language helps me understand maybe the, the, the impacts of the religious worldview is just like, cause as a person, right. uh, Your actions, your emotions are all shaped by your beliefs or about mm-hmm. like the way you think. And so I think language and religion um, and even just the way you feel from day to day have a lot of connections that I find really fascinating. And so mm-hmm. not that I'll ever understand the language like a native, native speaker would, mm-hmm. but even just studying it, especially, especially in the culture itself, um, just opened my eyes to much more about how my neighbor, you know, quote unquote neighbor, my mm-hmm. friends there um, thought about things. And it's just, it's great. It's, it's challenging. You know, it can be stressful, but at the end of the day, when you make those human relationships cross-culturally, mm-hmm. um, it means everything. It's, it's worth the effort, you know? <laughs> Definitely. I feel like it is effort. I, I know a lot of people in the United States are like, try to learn a second language in, even with their best intentions. It's very difficult for them mm-hmm. to get it through like high school or like even in college, right? And it's very hard for Americans to get that like bilingual, um, I don't know, just habit that we as international students are just like very accustomed to. Like me and Ali can speak in English and Arabic and just throw around words. But um, is it is it sometimes we mix? <laughs> what yeah? What does it take? Yeah, what does it take for like some place like America to like actually start teaching different languages and for it to be successful versus like I feel mm-hmm. like it's a f- failed in the education system right now yeah no no that's a very good point i mean i think if you ask most americans if they'll be honest you know um unless their parents were immigrants or they 
you know, we're encouraged to speak another language in the home. It is true. I think it's very hard for people to acquire a language to even like an intermediate level to where mm -hmm. they can have basic conversation. I mean, I guess I can only speak for maybe our age group. So like the twenties, like, like I think our parents I'm trying to even think about my own parents, like why it was hard for them. I think the culture is changing. Mm -hmm. I think technology has a lot to do with that. Like, I think because of like what we're doing now, um, we have more interactions with people from other places around the world. So it's made it an easier access, right? Like we were talking about access to um, people who speak like foreign languages very well or native like as you guys are like I think about like even my foreign language education teachers uh, most of them were not native speakers uh, mm -hmm. not saying they were bad they were really good but I just think that um, you know to help improve our education system a lot of things have to go into that one being um, even just the value that's placed on learning a second language. I, I, I love science. Like if you talk to me, I totally value the hard sciences, you know, STEAM or STEM, STEM actually. However, I think unfortunately what I believe to be a negative uh, result of the STEM uh, focus is that we're kind of leaving behind the humanities, you know, history, mm. language, arts. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, in part it's because we see just the, I don't know, maybe, and I'm not in economics at all, so I may say some wrong things, but I, from what I've seen from like my it's other fine. friends that are in sciences, it's like, there's much more of a money, uh, like market for computer science, you know, coding, algorithms, AI technology. And so, I mean, I get it. I want to make money too. Yeah. So it's a hard balance, but I really think if we can somehow change and I, and I feel like we are in some, I think, in the past 20 years or so, which is over half my life so far, I even have felt like um, people are really excited about connecting with people across culturally. And in order to do that, you know, you should. I mean, the other factor, of course, is um, the way that English has now become such a global language mm -hmm. that it, of course, for people like me, you know, a native speaker growing up in the US, I can get very lazy and be like, well, they'll just all learn English. And, and then we'll be fine and we can still connect to people. But I, I really feel like people just don't, they're missing out, you know, and not everyone can be convinced, you know, that learning a foreign language is worth it. You mm -hmm. know, that actually, actually having some insight to why <laughs> your friend in, I don't know, let's say uh, Kenya, why they would consider problem solving differently on a science thing than you would. And maybe having a better idea of their language and slash culture would allow you to build, I believe, stronger relationships with people across. Uh, and then the whole miscommunication is another thing I could go into, but mm -hmm. basically just simply said, um, and I experienced this when I was living in Jordan too. It's like, um, you may be really well-intentioned, um, but you may offend someone or, you, and it's just because like sometimes the way that we say things comes off is perceived differently, right? Than the way someone's listening. And it's mm -hmm. not necessarily your fault or the listener's fault. It's just the fact that sometimes when you're speaking it's a, a different language, yeah, it's just a mis. So we have to have a lot of like, I think as a culture, we have to have a lot of um, patience mm -hmm. and, and also not be afraid to fail. I think one thing our culture is unfortunately, I think too concerned about is failure. Cause I on honestly it's think true. that if we always think that 
doing things perfectly is going to, is going to be the only things we do. We're going to limit ourselves quite mm -hmm. a bit. Mm -hmm. um, I hope yes. that makes sense. Going no, definitely. So, yeah, no, no. Yeah, that, that was, um, so yeah, talk, let's talk more about like, uh, like failure. Right. So like even trying to learn like a new language, Mm. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm trying to learn Spanish for some or something, right? I, is it, is it, I get sometimes the context that it's kind of offensive for me to try my basic Spanish with like someone I don't know and like practicing it and said, I should just talk to them in English. You know what I mean? Just like, just mm. to like communicate directly. Um, or, that actually happened to you? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Yeah. I mean, yes, it happens. Well, yeah, it's just like the people don't have the patience. No. They're like, just tell me what you want to, just tell me what you want to say. And that's it, you know? Or it's mm. like, if you see, because here in Los Angeles, there are a lot of like Mexican, Americans, like a lot of special, you know what I mean? So I feel like maybe they've like, they lose patience with like every guy going to a burrito store trying to order in like <laughs> Spanish. But um, yeah, we need to, we need to have more, more patience with each other. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, we live in an age of convenience too. Mm -hmm. So I get it. They, they probably just are like, you know, buddy, I don't want to spend 10 minutes when I could spend five minutes with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but I think it's like, and that's where friendships are so important. I think like having a friend mm -hmm. um, who speaks the language well, like I have a couple people um, from my church that I go to in Boston, I actually still quote unquote go to, cause we've been doing everything also through a uh, live stream and zoom. And so yeah. I have some really good friends that mm. live in Boston that are native Spanish speakers. And I remember asking one, I hadn't done it in a while, but yeah, I remember asking her and I was like, Hey, her name is Scarlett. I was like, Hey, can, can I practice Spanish with you? You know, like, could I, could I even just, you know, listen to you guys? Cause they, they would um, pray in Spanish during mm -hmm. like what we call a prayer set, which is when we just spend time as a group and pray about various things. And so anyways, mm -hmm. all that stuff was really helpful. Like I agree. Like mm -hmm. you, I, you know, I've also done that when I was studying Spanish would try to like order food in Spanish and they would just look at me <laughs> funny. Like, what yeah. are you trying to do? Like, yes. come on. Burrito. Burrito, quesadilla, <laughs> so American. Oh man. Yeah. So yeah. I think and, the, I'd say the difference I think between like that relationship where you're ordering food versus like in church is that there's a community, right? Aspect to it. Right. And, like you feel like you're your neighbor and your friend, and you're trying to like you have like a common kind of goal maybe. But I feel like out in public, I feel like we maybe lost that social thread of. Every yeah. person's my neighbor and we need to help every person out. I feel like everyone's just so individualistic, especially here in- Love thy neighbor. Love thy neighbor. It's true. Love thy neighbor. Yeah, it's true. But no, for us, for me especially, I was forced to learn English because my dad put me in an English school. So the teachers were British. The, every, like, the only time I spoke Arabic in that school was either on the playground or uh, in an Arabic class. But like- mm -hmm. It was sort of like a, I had to because there was no other means of communication with my teachers. Like, I remember my books were in English. The exams were in English. Uh, mm -hmm. The teaching was in English. So it was kind of like a forced thing, not a, oh, I want to learn this is language. That, is but that, am I grateful for my parents for yeah. doing this? Yes, very. Why? Because now I speak, you know, two languages, almost a third, almost. Um, what's your third one? <laughs> yeah, what's the third? Yeah, I'm learning German. It's ah, just so I can talk to my dad. Ah, we get the Yeah, sehr guten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. My question, how, many, how many languages do you have? Uh, quite a bit. <laughs> I what? That's bullshit. I'm so he just jealous. knows how to speak. Uh, he just what do you knows think? a few sentences from each language. There you go. That's all you need to know. That's all you need. I will say, Dominic, what's your opinion on how, like he was saying, like in Lebanon also, like all my education was in English, right? All my textbooks were in English, right? My teachers spoke to me in English. And I guess going to an English school is beneficial in like our like English widespread, you know, um, generation. But it's like, do you think there's a harm to maybe like all the countries in the world just learning this one language and maybe like erasing some of their own culture? Yeah, no, mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that. Um, I could go on and on about that. But I do think we are losing, you know, like it can think of it as like almost like an endangered species, right? But that, that's not even a good, actually, that's not even a good parallel because there's so much more to it. I mean, mm -hmm. like we were talking earlier, just the fact that language and culture are so interconnected and you have like this third culture kid uh, experience where, you know, your parents are from one country, you were raised in a different country and maybe you've traveled somewhere else or like you just, it's maybe you have another language. So it's, it's crazy. I think what your friend Ali down below, Dr. Ali, <laughs> uh, has, has even expressed is mm -hmm. that when you're so young, there's a lot going in your brain, in your body, developmentally, and like even with the topic of emotions and all of that. I mean, it's almost traumatizing to be quite, I mean, again, I'm not speaking from personal experience, but from what I've heard, it's a bit traumatizing. And I'll let, yeah, you go speak to that if you. I mean, for me, it's, it wasn't, it, I wouldn't say traumatized. <laughs> Maybe that's too strong of a word. Yeah, it is. But but mm. for me, I, I find like, I don't, I wouldn't say also shame. I'd say uh, a bit of regret because I, I kind of lost my mother language, my, mm -hmm. you know, my first language, which mm -hmm. is Arabic. Mm -hmm. Because I spend all of my childhood instead of, because as you know, kids pick up words left, right, and center as they grow up, and then they form their vocabulary that they have yeah. and they use on the world, right? So I'm ashamed to say this, but my English is just a bit more better than my Arabic, mm. you know? And, and it's, it, this, this shouldn't have happened. This isn't mm -hmm. how it's supposed to be, mm -hmm. being that I am Arab. Mm -hmm. Half of my family members don't even speak English. So there is that like that missing, you know, line mm -hmm. between our communication is if I speak in Arabic, I'll say something wrong. They'll make fun of me for it. Mm -hmm. And if I speak in English, I'll get made fun of even more because, you know, like, oh, wow, why are you speaking English? You think you're better than us, which is a True. very common thing here. Mm -hmm. It's very common. It's like, oh, why are you speaking English? You think you're better than us because mm -hmm. you went to a private school? Mm -hmm. No, I just didn't learn enough. <laughs> you're like, I just didn't have Arabic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, but mm -hmm. what I have done in my, like, 16, 17s was I went into poetry, Arabic poetry, which could be a shocker to all my friends who mm -hmm. have known me for many years. But, yeah, I have. Mm -hmm. Here's a question. How come poetry? Because I learned that in Arabic, you have around 50 to 1,000 words to explain one feeling or one word or one set of definition. So like, for example, in, in, in Arabic culture, if people are happy, they write about love. If people are angry, they write about war. It's normal in poetry culture in Arabia. So... I didn't feel like, you know, getting all hyped up to fight, you know, an invisible ghost or whatever. So I went into love poetry. Mm -hmm. So then I started learning the different words to describe different feelings. 
And I slowly started to regain, you know, or like mm-hmm. make up for the Arabic I lost throughout the years. So that's, that's my views on, you know, forcing a second language on people who don't want to learn or people who haven't had the choice to make when it comes to learning second language is the fear of, for example, for my kids, I fear they go through what I went through, especially seeing that the world around them, even here in Kuwait, everything is starting to be more English, you know, mm-hmm. everything is starting to be. And I even noticed it with my other siblings. They stop speaking in Arabic sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like they can go days on end, not speaking a single word of Arabic except like the basic mm. yalla or alhamdulillah or stuff like that. You know? <laughs> Habibi, yalla, yalla. Imshi. Habibi, things like, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but to actually like, to actually have them speak a whole day in Arabic, just one whole day, I haven't heard that yet, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a shame. Like, mm-hmm. it sucks, but what, you know, what are we going to do? Yeah. Stuff happens. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, I think some parents are worried for their kids, right? Because these kids, they grow up. And like, as you said, like, if you don't speak English too great, and you don't speak Arabic too great, you feel like you don't fit in kind of. So parents have yeah. to make a, the tough decision of, well, if I like try to raise my kid like bilingual, they might be like picked on in school for having an accent maybe in English, right? So maybe mm-hmm. I just want to teach them straight English. And like that causes problems also because you're erasing some of their culture. It's interesting yeah. how this plays out. You think it's just going to diverge more and more, Dominic? You think it's just going to, mm. English is going to take over more so and more so? I mean, it mm. is. I don't know. I don't yeah. know about like have, different parts of the to. world, but here in our parts, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say, honestly. Like, yeah. I mean, there this is a field of like linguistics and philosophy and history mm-hmm. that is unfortunately not my expertise area at all. But I do remember briefly from studies in my undergrad, because I think like going back to what I said about people, I mean, not everyone has the same personality, right? I'm very highly empathetic. Mm-hmm. So I, I really, I love learning about other people, but not everyone is. So you know, and I get the concerns. I think I'll leave. You just mentioned these great things that parents probably do think about. I mean, I've even thought about in the future when I hope to have kids too, is like, um, I would love my child to know another language. And I think part of it has to do with this, uh, critical hypothesis theory or critical age theory, which mm-hmm. says that like you're more, and I think you guys probably obviously know this is like when you're younger, your brain hasn't fully developed. And so you're able to pick up languages a lot more easily and oftentimes more native, more native, like, like with pronunciation, um, just because you haven't made these, even just the way you move your mouth hasn't fully um, set a certain pattern, right? Because our, our brain is very, uh, you know, open to patterns. And so when we're listening as a child, um, the brain is just trying to organize, okay, what pattern is meaningful? What pattern is not meaningful? And then from there, it just kind of stabilizes itself. And then of course, yeah. if you learn it as you get older, you're kind of breaking those systems apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's much harder as you get older to break them apart and introduce new, but it's not impossible, right? Cause mm-hmm. we probably have many friends that have acquired a pretty high level of another language and they didn't start until they were older. Um, but it's harder. Like, so I think like as parents, they like Ali said, like they want them to learn it um, well. And yeah, there is, unfortunately there is, I don't see, I personally, don't see it this way but there is an attitude about accents that Mm -hmm. is unfortunate like the fact that if your accent doesn't sound this way then it's not good i don't i don't like that i like the fact that we do have a diversity of accents um just because 
I don't know. I like the sound. Like, I like that there's different sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a question of understandability, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are communicating with someone, you do want to be able to understand them a little bit. Um, so that does play a role. But yeah, there's there's so much going on. I mean, I think there are groups of people that would definitely love to include more um, bilingual education. Like, I I was, and I may in the future, I don't know, um, be interested in like, how can we implement better bilingual schools so where kids may learn content in two languages, but then mm-hmm. you do have to overcome what Dr. Ali was saying, the fact that, you know, you don't want to get made fun of. And so it is hard, but. Yeah. Um, but when it comes yeah, to dialect, and, uh, when we talk about dialect and uh, accents, even here in Arabia, by the way, we were like, if I speak to Ali in Arabic, Ali won't understand anything that I'm saying unless I speak in his dialect and his accent, mm-hmm. you know? But that's just because I have a little background with Lebanese and like that side of the world's accent. So, yeah. and I where, also like, should mention that the word, I uh, just want to throw it out there because go ahead. like, I feel like this is, from what I know about Arabic, it's like, you guys even have like very different vocabulary in mm-hmm. some cases. Yeah. So like, it's in my, in my eyes, I wouldn't feel bad. Like, I don't know, like that you guys dialects are understandable. Cause in the sense of there's more changes that have happened. I'm thinking of just like maybe a Spanish speaker learning English and an Arab speaker learning English. And then there's slightly different sounds, but they're learning the mm-hmm. same vocabulary. I don't know, yeah. but, mm-hmm. but I get what you're saying. Yeah. I've heard that yeah. Arabic dialects, can be very different yeah it is very almost different. like for different example, languages though almost. here's a good example ali what's the arabic word for slipper uh shahata we call it an al an al what is that word yeah. that's not even a word i've i've, yeah, I've heard a lot of yeah, arabic ali, i've never heard that word ever <laughs> yeah we will we call ali what do you call what do you call uh shoes in uh in arabic uh sabat sabat sapatos okay in spanish we call it duty. What? Wow. Call it duty? So yeah. not even like similar sounds. Rice? rice? No, don't make fun of my fucking... Yo, listen. Rice, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here's another one. Rice. Riz. Okay, yes. we, call it, we call it ash. Why? Lesh. Why? <laughs> it's what we call it, you know? I so you. even even vocabularies, you're mm-hmm. right. Even that vocabularies can be very different mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. The, and we're like stone stone <laughs> away from each other. Yeah, that you is know? true. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. it's more regional, I'd mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Dialects wherever you go in the world is more regional. For example, if we say Germany, uh, the northern parts of Germany don't speak the same as the southern and they don't speak the same as the eastern. They don't mm-hmm. have the same words as the western. You know, you go to yeah. England, the northern, the more north you go, the less likely you will understand what they're saying. And I'm speaking from yeah. experience. You know? Honestly, but, I feel like me as a native, well, American English American. speaker, I feel like it might be hard for, yeah, because sometimes the words they use mm-hmm. uh, are are totally different. Like you guys, yeah, yeah that's really mm-hmm. good. Even even in the states, by the way. And <laughs> where was it? Philadelphia or yeah, okay, in Philadelphia. How do you say water in Philadelphia? Water. Or water. Isn't that, that isn't that how they say it? Water? Ellie? I, know, I think you'd know it. I mean Dominique would know. She under uh, there I, mean, I know there are like some Twitter. variations of how yeah, you know, words are definitely. said in the United States. Yeah. Yes. Spe- yeah. And also in like when we go into hip hop and the lyrics and these rappers, the way they pronounce and say stuff, the West Coast and the East Coast, very different. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So wherever you go, language is very regional. Mm-hmm. Not yes. language. Uh, we'll say uh, dialects and uh-huh. uh, 
attitude. Accents. What was that? Accents. Accents. Yes. Yeah. yeah what Accents. is it? It's very regional. What does that happen, Dominique? How did it? So we all learned English, right, in the United States. I'm trying to think of like the history of the United States, right? Mm. And then English, like you started off with like the East Coast, and then it spread west, right? Just as America. Right. How did yeah. How did Americans pick up so many different accents? If it's just like branching from the same source. Original English, mm. yeah. Wow. You know what's strange? I've never even thought that question before, mm. which is crazy. I don't know if it, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Why does, because why, because you're right, if it all came from the same area mm. and then they simply moved, hmm. You know what? I might have to, cause I, cause then you're talking about you're talking about dialectal studies, and I think uh, Doctor Ali down there, I think he uh, brought up a good point about the geography, how that impacts. You know, I for some reason, you know, when I there's think it's like to do more with the the origins of the people that live there. So you have like the people from Portugal, for example, and Spain, and England, and Ireland, and Italy. When they move to um, when they moved to America back in the 1600s, 1700s, you know, they started learning the English. They implemented their own, let's say, mm. way of you know. Good point. Yeah. And, and that's how I got. That's how I got. Hey y'all. <laughs> hey y'all. Yeah. Howdy. Hey y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wonder yeah. if like just we naturally over time and you know as you get closer to your own community in whatever region you're at if you just adopt similar yeah phrases or or because obviously if you think about life in new england would be a little different than life in the south or life in the west so yeah and as we even see in 2020 right we've had so many new words added to our dictionary this year it's insane is that is that true is that true actually what do you mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh, of because of coronavirus and mm-hmm. because of the recent rappers, dub rappers. <laughs> yeah, wait. What do you mean? Because of recent, like, continue. Yeah, I'm curious about this. We well, so- I wouldn't say completely new words, but we're we're taking words that we've had and we're putting them together to mean something else. So mm-hmm. I think with coronavirus, we added social distancing which mm-hmm. when you think about it we didn't really use it the social and distance are both words we know but put mm-hmm. them together and now we have this new word uh social distancing um what are some other words that we hear all the time uh, i still yeah. can't understand how that's a new word you just said that social and distance are already a word. <laughs> they just bought put well, you combine two because- words together Oh. Yeah, when you take, well, because you take social and distance, distancing, you put them together, that means a specific thing that we didn't have a word for before. Um, uh, what I learned in Arabic when I was there, too, is that Arabic is kind of, and I'm sure other languages might be doing, going through this, too, is where you have these, all these new words for technology, and do you simply take the word in English mm-hmm. and adapt to the sound in Arabic, or do you have a totally different word in Arabic? That's very interesting. Yeah. Ali, how do you say laptop in Arabic? Laptop. Uh, laptop. You want to go on on Facebook? Uh, you sent me Instagram. I remember. I remember in my Arabic class no. reading a word in Arabic letters, and I was like, "Fees." <laughs> They're like it's Facebook. And I was like, yeah. Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It was like yeah. in my Arabic textbook. I was so and or like computer. I was like, come, come. Mm. 
computer, computer. But yeah, it's computer. just like it's just That's amazing. very interesting with- you say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, it is like America. Because America is like, I mean, we're very ahead in technology as a, like compared to like countries like in the Middle East, like Lebanon, Kuwait, Jordan. Mm. I mean, we got in the game before everyone by a couple of years, and that's significant in terms mm. of shaping the world culture, yeah. right? Whoa, that's interesting. So, like, I imagine, like, if, like, all this came out in the Middle East, if all the technology came out in the Middle East, <clears throat> how that might have shaped, like, the whole world, like, trying to it'd be, like, an Arabic, like, an <laughs> Arabic Facebook or something. I can't, I can't think of another <laughs> word for iPhone in Arabic. Like, how would I have the iPhone? Yeah, I don't know what it would be. Yeah. Like, I can't think of it, or, like, a Samsung, or, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and just like Blanos. even the verbs that we use, like since I got home from Jordan, even with my sisters or my friends, I'll be like, uh, I'll WhatsApp you. Like WhatsApp is now a verb, you know. We've always yes. used, or yes. like I'm going to Zoom you. You know, I actually haven't said Zoom you before, but you know, we use like Zoom just became this. Zoom is now the like the just the common word we use for like a video call now. We may not even yeah, use Zoom specifically, but we'll say you uh, know, Zoom, Uber, Zoom, like Zoom, Uber Zoom. or something. I feel like Uber is another I'll one. Uber, yeah. I'll Uber, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uber. I'll Venmo you. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It and all yeah. those words, and all those words get added to the dictionary. What does it take for like a word like Venmo to get into the dictionary as like a verb? You know, people just need to use it a lot. I'm guessing. Uh, I don't know. Like I don't know if there are like specific stages. Yeah. I'm sure there is. People that are in lexicography, which is just the study of words and their meaning and how they develop over th- over time. You know, there's of course Urban Dictionary mm-hmm. where we dev- we will typically see like words that we see you know being used. I think just socially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know at what point though. Like uh, authorities in. Uh, <laughs> like dictionary making uh decide to put it in the dictionary um but i did there's an article i could share with you guys later i know that i came across a month or two ago about i think it was four terms that were added because of covid and social distancing was one of them Mm -hmm. but there's a couple others and unfortunately they're not you guys would all know what i'm talking about yeah no okay no for sure yeah yeah uh here's here's a very interesting topic i want to get in with you into with you mm-hmm. uh lost languages mm-hmm. so i i'm sure everyone knows what the rosetta stone is what is the what is the right? rosetta stone I okay for our viewers who might not know what it is so in around 1799 they found in ancient egypt a, like a stone that had hieroglyphics on one side and on the other side it was translated to ancient greek i think or was it Latin? I'm not too sure, but basically, uh, it was it was it was a good discovery because people could like people at the time at that time still knew a little bit about ancient Greek languages, so they were able to roughly translate the hieroglyphics. Then when they went back to all these ancient sites in like ancient Egypt and all that stuff, they were able to translate what was on the wall. Mm. all this stuff so how do languages die out mm. this is this is i think the question i want to segue into yeah well there the all these areas of linguistics are unfortunately not my specialty but i do have <laughs> friends but there but i know about them language mm. revitalization projects that go mm. on around the world today are is essentially that they find languages i think there's a website too that will there's even a 
sort of like ident uh, I'm trying to think like factors that people linguists will identify to find out whether that language is on its way out you know mm -hmm. um obviously like if it has a written uh component not all languages have scripts and so typically those languages will die out faster um you know because they're not they have no recordings of their sounds or their words their vocabulary um mm -hmm. you know even at bu boston university there was a friend of mine, his name's Jimmy uh, Spordone, and I think he's still working on it. They were working on uh, languages in, I think it was Southern California, uh, where there's some uh, indigenous tribal people. Um, I can't remember if they had a script or not, but um, why do languages die out? Obviously, uh, dominant cultures like that are in an area um, will, mm -hmm tend to impact like what we're saying right like we tend to want to learn the language of the dominant culture so that we can you know provide for our families communicate you know rise in society whatever the case may be um and and like i said if you don't have a script i think it's harder to pass that on from generation to generation so there are actually some people that they'll spend years and years and years living um typically it's like a tribal community um, to learn the languages, record it, you know, um, and then create a script for them just in order so that we can keep it going. Um, I'm not sure what other type of, uh, processes people will go through to revitalize it, but obviously, um, that it's a huge, you know, responsibility on parents and, you know, just being able to pass it to their child. And then each generation, of course, taking on that lead to continue to pass it on, um, I think cultural traditions are really important to keep the language going, obviously, because we've talked a lot today about how language and culture are intrinsically linked together. Mm -hmm. So if, mm -hmm. if the lifestyle itself is not being um, somehow continued, right, if they adopt everything from the dominant culture, then it's going to be even harder to get that language to survive. So, yeah, I think it's just keeping up traditional ways of life if they can, you know, teaching your kids, recording it, um, any kind of written source, so books, um, things like that. So music is really helpful. Mm -hmm um in that too because and just sharing it with the world i you know definitely my hope will be that um as much as i it's 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 a double-edged sword for me because I, I what i like about people learning english is that it i'm obviously privileged in the sense that i now get to communicate with a lot more people and then everyone's so it, i have access but i think I, what i hope other people will see and that is the value behind learning other cultures and and just being able to challenge your own thinking right mm -hmm. and i think that's what a lot of times maybe as you think about this as like a global uh issue or question it's like are we willing to be challenged in our own cultural mindset like are we willing to think outside the box um i think it can be a good thing i don't think we have to be afraid of it um but you know that's that's kind of my own thinking but mm -hmm. um that definitely travel. I think travel is, so I think the access to being able to travel more is helpful because now you're not just seeing it on a screen, you know, you're actually interacting with local people. And generally, I think when you start to meet people and form that bond, um, that's what gets you to be like, ah, the language. Okay. That's worth those 10 hours, you know, practicing or whatever. So, yeah. Mm. There you go. Very so, interesting. It's, it's interesting, interesting how you, you say. It's, it's interesting how you said that um, 
diversity of like language is you know important and how like right now with english as the main source it's kind of maybe like overtaking and we need to go back to our roots and learn more from traditional languages mm-hmm. um one topic living here in the states i feel like even within the states language is such a contentious issue even between like different areas of the states in that there, there are some places that would rather you just use a set amount of words or phrases and not like use these words or that words right mm. and um do you think that's like uh homogenizing like the entire country and like thought or is it like is it important to have diversity of thought like speech in that sense or should we um adapt um uh, i'm talking well i'm talking you know i'm talking about also about like um I don't, like trend like the transgender um issues that are happening now where you have to like call them by certain pronouns and if you call mm. them by different pronouns maybe that's like offensive right but maybe mm. it's like true biologically so what at what point uh do we need to like adapt uh, or do we need to keep the diversity there yeah oh, that's a really I know that's good a, question yeah i am that's a tough question but i really i really yeah. appreciate it so i think there's a couple questions in that question which is why i think it makes it hard to answer because mm. i think Diversity of thought is really important, and I think we should be able to have a conversation with each other about why we, because, right, I think what's making this question difficult is because when we're talking about language, once again, we're not just talking about words at the surface level. We're talking about um, ways of thinking, belief systems, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. So, yeah, I mean, hmm. I think it's, yeah, I think it's very good to be challenged. I think it's good to be willing to grow um, in different areas. I I think with the transgender issue of pronouns, that's such a loaded uh, topic just because like, should we um, adopt a full, because we're essentially adopting a new philosophy um, when we sometimes introduce new words into our vocabulary. Um, and mm-hmm. so to what extent do we get everyone to adopt a certain philosophy? Um, or can we allow people to think differently um, about this issue, but still respect one another? Like I would definitely be a proponent of finding common ground. Um, and I think that's something in our culture today that um, seems to be going away quickly. Um, just mm. the desire and Because again, this is where effort comes in. This is where putting down our own, uh, like our own belief systems, kind of humbling ourselves before another person. I think I've been listening a lot to different, you know, speakers on various sides of, you know, politics or religion or even just like personal experience, right? Like where we grew up um, is that, it's it's a we have to humanize each other first Mm -hmm. you know we have to remember that everybody is a human deep down and that uh we share that no matter if we do things differently or think differently um i i have a concern about this uh idea though in our running through our culture today that is if i don't agree with you i obviously then must hate you um or i I'm doing violence to you if it's going to get that strong. And I, and obviously 
I'm sharing a lot that could go in many different directions. And I hope listeners will, um, will listen and, and won't, um, think too quickly about what I'm trying to say, because I'm purposely saying vague because I want just the overall general message of what I'm saying about language and having these dialogues is that we can disagree with each other. Um, and I think we can still work through disagreement to come to an agreement, mm -hmm. to come at least to a common ground where we could even agree to disagree. To disagree. Mm -hmm. There we go. I was just going to say it. Mm -hmm. We can yeah. learn to agree to disagree. And that's with but communication. Me, what, yeah, you got to communicate yeah. first for it to happen. Yeah. 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 See, yeah. the thing with English, the, the English language, is it's very gender neutral, right? Yeah. Correct me if okay. I'm wrong. Yeah. No, you're right. But yeah. In, in, in Other Arabic, than pronouns. Arabic and no, I, I think I dare to say Arabic is the most gendered language that is, you know, spoken, commonly spoken in the world. Interesting. Even like in German, yeah. mm -hmm. in Deutsch, there is genderification of language. There is the female part, the male part, and the gender mm -hmm. neutral part of a certain word, specific mm -hmm. word, right? But in Arabic, no, it's strictly this item or this thing is either male or female mm -hmm. you know even you're so, saying like give me something right you have to give me yeah. like atini right is like yeah, or you know what i mean in, like a girl or for a guy i think that's a bad one but it's yeah. like you know what yeah, i mean it's I, like you gotta you have to so, like for example sayara in uh -huh. arabic okay is is considered a woman item or a woman thing a car you know? yeah so car, a yeah. car mm -hmm. yeah an english car it's not the car or her car you know you can do that but if i say sayarta his car sayarta her car her car yeah but 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 if we want to go by default it's 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 a feminine it's a feminine word you know so i don't know if you heard about this or not especially in the university of uh, toronto and many of the yes. canadian universities they are enforcing, uh, not enforcing, they are making the professors use very gender neutral language. Mm. They, like, I do know about this, yeah. You know, wait, you, wait, then I you don't must know. What watch is this? Jordan Peterson. Oh, wait, what uh, is yes, that's why, that's why, because of Jordan wait, okay, Peterson, yeah. Wait, yeah, so yeah, what, yeah. wait, what is this? What they're making, okay. they're forcing professors to do what? They're forcing lecturers to use very gender neutral uh, topics and they have to like if they introduce themselves for example i'd be like hello my name is ali he him mm. first time i heard someone speak like that i was like <laughs> what <Yes. laughs> is your name this person he him then they were then i realized that they have they have the specific like don't assume their gender mm -hmm. thing which i'm sorry but i i am i do not believe in that like, hey, you're Kuwaiti, okay, man. you can. Yes, you're, you have it's right not about. Name. No, no, yeah. no. Listen, I'm as Western as they come in this country. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the proof is the way I speak. Mm -hmm. But, like, I have nothing against transsexuals, you know, or anything like that. But I am a. Like, I do believe in there are only two genders. You may cross the border into the other gender, but there's no, like, this fluidity and. I don't know if it's because I'm Arab or I'm a mm. doctor, mm -hmm. but that's, that's how I see it. So I studied biology. Like if I go to the States and someone says, you can address me as Zer or Zim, I'd be like, 
what <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> what are you well, saying? <laughs> I think we have to think about just how quickly this has all happened too. Mm-hmm. Like, um, mm-hmm. and the fact this this is a very big topic, I think. But I just the I think the basic thing I'll say is that you know I have transgender friends and mm-hmm. I've talked to them um, about this pronoun thing, and it's true for some of them they don't feel like they are being um, like their human humanity, but that's because Mm -hmm. they attack, like identity is such a big thing in our country today, whether that's, um, you know, religious identity or cultural identity or um, racial identity, like identity, identity, identity is kind of like, everyone wants to be a part of something. Right. And I think that's a whole different philosophy I have about like how I think we all see community and like-mindedness in different areas. And so we, we, we appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I think if I were a professor, right, I even hope to be a professor one day. And obviously I would probably have transgender students. If they're going to ask to be called she, then I'll call the person she. Um, but I think with yeah. Jordan B. Peterson and why I agree with his view on this topic was that he was concerned about just policing having that being legislative, exactly, policing mm-hmm. the language, because then what that does, it kind of opens up in my eyes, a Pandora's box of a slew of other words we could use. And there's a lot of people that are not intending, like I've talked to transgender friends. I was like, if you've been misgendered, they don't get really angry at you. It's only if they've asked you, okay, then call me this and you you know, purposely choose not to, yeah. that that becomes a disrespect. That's a hurtful yeah, that's, thing. That's fine. But like uh, having, like if I accidentally address a woman as, excuse me, ma'am, and she goes like, actually, I identify as a guy, I'd be like, what? Um, maybe, again, maybe it's because of what I study, where <laughs> I live, but yes. like, yeah. uh, okay, I'll play along out of, you know, just to avoid any conflicts or out of respect or just whatever. Respect people, treat people it's, like it's play along yeah. a respectable word to say because in Arabic, I, by the way, the way I play along is not Arabic, yeah. Play play so, along is not is not a word is not a way you'd say that because I tra- when correctly. I speak to you in, yes uh-huh. yeah okay because when I speak to you in English, by the way, I translate the words from <laughs> Arabic to English and then I say them. So yeah. if I say anything that seems a little bit offensive, mm. like no, I think me, I think you're English being is, honest. Uh, and I think you're able as a, you know, what you're studying makes a lot of sense because mm. like scientifically there are only two sexes. And so mm. like no one can debate that. I mean, they just can't. I mean, they're trying you to, can't. but I think like, here's a we famous talk- quote by Ben Shapiro. Facts <laughs> don't care about your feelings. Yeah. It's, that's yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Listen, I don't like that person, but that's the one thing I can agree with him on is mm. facts don't care about your feelings. But yeah. So again, if, if someone asked me to address him as her or her as him or whichever way around they want it that's fine you know it doesn't mean it doesn't mean i'm gonna be like no you're a her you're a woman then mm-hmm. that's how i'm addressing no I'll be like, okay excuse me sir ask whatever i want but if they like i don't know i think it's just getting out of hand especially well, like, with the whole gender fluid well, like and, medically like, whole, well, medically like, if you get a patient right you're a doctor right you get a patient you mm-hmm. kind of want to know mm-hmm. what you're dealing with or, or like yeah. a person because like you know um, yeah we take this we take we take this in uh, medical psychology and introduction to psychology mm-hmm. so we cannot be judgmental of the people we are dealing with be it if they are you know 
crackheads to like drug abusers to like uh, transsexual we cannot judge them at all but like as you're saying it's like really important for a doctor to know this because like just biologically your body is going to respond differently to medicines or other kinds of treatment so yeah Yeah, that's yeah so i think that's super and i feel like most transgender people wouldn't be uh, like offended by that i think when you're talking about the social like atmosphere of like you know a college setting or something like a teacher but the thing that i agree with peterson about policing speech is that like Mm. again this has become people think it's very concrete but it's actually quite arbitrary to then say okay if these words are good and these words because then what happens is over time what i'm seeing not just with this particular area of language but many other areas of language i've even been seeing within the last month or so words that are that used to be okay now people are saying don't use this phrase don't use this phrase don't use this phrase well let's take an example of let's have a hypothetical person named john john is a really nice guy he he loves people and he wants to do his best to make sure he respects all people well john's on instagram and he says oh my friend said i can't say this okay i write that down like he only has so much memory that he can remember all the phrases that he should say and should not say and another important thing to remember too is like um not everybody that say I'm a liberal agree with everything that the liberal umbrella says Mm -hmm. like I have friends that would say I agree with this but I disagree with that like I think Mm -hmm. what our culture is trying to do is trying to put people into these little neat boxes but no one perfectly fits into those boxes Mm -hmm. um that's and that's why I think everything we're talking about seems to go back to the fact of are we just willing to listen to each other are we willing to agree to disagree um because and I'm not saying there are no moral absolutes. Like I'm a Christian. I strongly believe that you should not kill a person. Like I strongly believe that um, we're all, we all have inherent value because the Bible says we are made in the image of God. And that's every human being on this planet. Now those are some moral absolutes. Um, but I do think though at the same time, in order to live harmoniously with people of different backgrounds, um, we're not going to all like Christians don't agree on everything. Like there are so many different views in the church. If you like have Christian friends and you know, like we can mm-hmm. agree on different things and disagree on things. But I mm-hmm. think, um, and we've done a good example of that and a bad example of that. Like, yeah. So that's just, unfortunately what I believe to be inevitable in all uh, communities or societies or groups. But mm-hmm. um, you know, something that I hope are, con- you know, some around the world we can keep doing is working on just that you know that dialogue and debate Mm -hmm. and but come down to some Mm -hmm. some common ground if that's possible that's that's we don't have too much time left but i just want to say i'm gonna ask you dominique um well so what are you what is your like suggestion to like having a healthy communication between like different kinds of people right um Mm. what do you whether we like, cause, cause language is huge between like how people talk to each other. Um, I mean, like looking at like <laughs> people talking on Instagram or social media or whatever, or like Twitter, that seems a very dangerous way to communicate. Yeah. Right. So what are the healthy art mm. alternatives? Yeah. Now that people are even not meeting, like people don't meet in communities anymore. Right. Because like people stop, I don't know. Yeah whatever, <laughs> hang out or going to the park or bowling or, um, or going to church or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. these communities are dissolving like social communities. So mm. what is a way to bring it back together? I don't know. Mm. Do you have any thoughts on that? 
Mm. Yeah, I definitely do. So like, and I'll just share briefly about like my experience uh, as of late, um, like with Zoom, right? Because we, it is harder to meet in person. First of all, I would say if it's possible to meet in person with people, uh, that's preferable. Just because language is actually, I think the phrase is 80% nonverbal. So it's, that's why I think uh, conversations on social media and other platforms where you're not actually seeing the person and hearing their voice has made communication so challenging. Um, I just think there's unfortunately a lot of factors against you from the get go. So that's, I think why, like if you go through comments, you'll see people just going nuts um, because they're also not even speaking to people they know. Mm. So that's obviously, I would say, first of all, have those conversations with people you have some relationship with. Maybe they're just an acquaintance, um, but at least you have some uh, background of knowing a little bit about each other. Um, second, um, I would say when you come into a conversation uh, and you enter a topic that is controversial of any any you know level, I would say, listen, I mean, we've heard that I'm not, you know, that's not a new thing, but like, and when I say listen, that's not hearing, right? Hearing is just the sound going in your ears <laughs> and like, you know, into your brain. Listening is when you put attentional effort to the words that are being used and then allowing yourself time to process them. I think time and processing is underestimated. I think we feel like we have to give a response right away. We, and even on social media, right? People have this pressure that if they don't respond immediately, then they're, they're a terrible person or, you know, they lost the argument. Or, yeah, when really we have to allow ourselves to really think and process. I mean, we know historically the Greeks were really good at this, right? Like they would sit for hours and just think and process. And so I think processing is good. And then checking your own like agenda. Like, do you have an agenda coming into that conversation? Because if you already are wanting to just prove the other person wrong, you're not going to actually be able to listen to the other person. So I guess that goes down to like having not saying you can't talk to a stranger, but like having some understanding of the other person, like have developed some type of relationship with, um, meeting in person if it's possible, um, or at least like Zoom where I could see and hear your voice, right? Um, and then listening. And so that's connected to checking like if you have an agenda coming coming into that and checking your own biases as you're listening, just like, and that's possible, right? Like I fully acknowledge that the way I think is shaped by the Bible because I, you know, believe the Bible is a source of truth and where we put our uh, sources of truth in will, will be where I'm biased, right? Will be the worldview that I'm speaking from. But if I can say, ah, this person First of all, as a human being, they have their own life, their own experiences. I respect that. And then I have my own biases and just be willing to be challenged and to learn and to listen. And I think also something as young people, we got to make sure is not to get offended too quickly. Because I think when we find ourselves too emotionally driven, Invested it's also really selves. hard. It's really hard to listen. And I, and I don't want people to hear this to think that emotions are not important. I think emotions are, are important. However, I think in order for us to be able, if we have a desire to understand the other person, if we have a desire to uh, learn, then we have to keep our emotions sort of in check a little bit acknowledge that they're there and sometimes that's really helpful i think as an ra ali we had opportunities where we could see a lot of people's emotions mm -hmm. um and that could sometimes uh prevent someone from 
you know, explaining something clearly or making uh, rational decisions um, in their lives. And that's because, you know, they've got these emotions and acknowledging the fact that they're there is also really helpful. Cause then, you know, I think like if I have a friend who's angry at me and they're like, I'm really feeling like, like you didn't hear me out or like, this was unkind. I'll be like, okay. And you can apologize, but then you can move on from that. Like you can kind of see how it's progressing. So mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense. No, definitely. No, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you for all. I mean, that was yeah. really great. Dominic, thank you for that really, because I feel like for you, it's kind of, I feel like it's very clear in your head, right? For, but for a lot of people, what you just said about like, like humanizing the other person, having common ground conversations with decency and respect, um, they don't really register that automatically because people don't have, I mean, aren't learning their values a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, I will say that time's up. We must wrap up. Exactly. Thank you for we coming on, to. Dominic. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say? Shout out before say. we're. Oh uh, man, mm-hmm. I just want to thank you guys. Like seriously, you know, shukranik tir. I love. Mashallah. Mashallah. See, we both have the, like different responses to. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You guys gotta teach me Arabic sometime. No, I just wanted to yeah. thank you guys and. Thank you. Uh, You're I hope. Welcome that you guys get to continue. I think what you guys are doing with these conversations with different people is truly like phenomenal. Don't underestimate the impact these can have for people. So I just say Godspeed and good luck with everything. Thank you. And thank yourself. you very much. All Before right. we end this episode, I've waited four days to do this. Ellie, two cats. When oh, is yeah. it coming out? Oh yeah. It's coming out July 4th. Ooh. Yeah. Two cats. My new July movie 4th? coming out July 4th. We have a date. Yeah, we have a date. Yeah. It's you coming. don't understand. Solid. We've done yes. how many episodes now? 24? Where, where can I watch it? It'll be where out. Can on, I tell my friends? It'll be out. Thank you. On my website in two weeks on my own personal website. I'll release it. So yeah. we'll put the website in the link somewhere in here. this description below. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. What? You what? haven't played Blueberry? <laughs> yes, true. No, mm-hmm. but seriously, you guys our sponsors. Blueberry. Yes, Blueberry yep. Die, Blueberry little video Die. game we made also. So that's also part. I'm of, in the uh, game. Ali's in the I'm game. In the game wherever also. he is mm-hmm. above me, mm-hmm. uh, you should download it if you have it on Android. It will be out on iOS soon, as soon, soon as I get it sorted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you watched any uh, other of our episodes or anything like that. Have you? <laughs> I watched the one that. Ali sent to me earlier this week. Yeah. Well, which, basically, which one was it? Which doesn't one doesn't doesn't matter. I remember what I said. I sent her which one did you was, send? Ellie? Whatever was the most recent one when I asked her. I forget. Oh, yeah, okay. I don't remember. But Fair it's all enough. the same. All right, we all so wrap up is, the same way. We yeah. wrap up the same way. So it's a salute mm-hmm. to cover the camp. And bye, guys.